All right, let's see if I get. Ooh.
Good afternoon, YouTube and people of the podcast sphere. Welcome to Spectator Diff, a brand new podcast from the two most underpaid spectators in Overwatch, probably. My name is Brad. Uh, this is Matt over in this window, which is currently screen sharing the wrong. There we go. There he is. Cool. Hey, <laughs> this is Matt over in that box. <laughs> I exist. I'm not YouTube. I'm here. I'm real. <laughs> anyway, we decided to start a podcast, break down professional Overwatch and contenders because we have opinions and gosh darn it, somebody needs to hear them. Uh, we'll be focusing largely on Overwatch League and contenders, spoiler alert, uh, but who knows what the offseason will bring. <clears throat> so we'll be here each week on Mondays around 1230 around this time right now, hopefully, in case one of us dies, uh, to discuss the happenings and things in e Overwatch esports. God, I can read. <clears throat> we'll cover any major headlines, break down a match of the week, hit you with some predictions uh, for the next week, and then we will get the hell out of here. You can catch our streams and VODs here on YouTube, and uh, we'll be uploading the audio of each episode to a podcast feed as well, so make sure you subscribe to Spectator Diff both on YouTube and Wherever you uh, get your podcasts, um, those will be coming soon. So, podcast coming in like two-ish weeks. There you go, in two-ish weeks. So, uh, without further ado, Matt, take us away with some of some headlines. Yeah, uh, some things happened this week. There was no games in Overwatch League. There were some games in Contenders. Boy, howdy, we're going to talk about Contenders a lot today. But a few uh, things in Overwatch League news. Vancouver refilled their DPS line. We talked last week that they dropped Shockwave and they have refilled that DPS line with King. And the 18-year-old, uh, he was most recently playing with Wisp from Path to Pro, the contender circuit. And he is a flex DPS. He's pretty much a Genji Tracer specialist, which is good because Mirror's Tracer, the last time we saw Vancouver play, looked bad. So it's a good thing they've got a new Tracer. Uh, looks like he's got some far game as well uh, and Reaper Widow. His hit scan was okay from the couple of videos that I watched. I have no idea how he plays. I've never seen him really play with a team. I just watched a couple of clip shows of him clicking heads. So I don't know if you know anything about King or have any real thoughts on a new pickup for Vancouver. So uh, on this particular note, um, you know, it's it's cool that they brought him in. Obviously, we talked last week about how they how they got rid of Shockwave, and that was definitely signaling something because they had to do something. Because if they didn't do something, well, uh, no one really knew how they were going to fare with just Mirror. Um, and you know, it, it it's so effectively it's it's a, it's a moot point. He's a good player. Um, I didn't know much about him prior to uh to the announcement but i did check into his background a little bit after the fact um i mean he's a great player obviously he's now got a contract to the whole path to pro thing he's not gonna be bad um the question remains you know is he better than shockwave was it a better choice who knows dpay's not an idiot um he has a plan he has a strategy maybe this is the secret sauce who knows uh, it can't get worse for them <laughs> so my uh my my kind of mid opinion on this which is generally how i just feel about it in general it, it's you know he he can't do worse i'm very happy for him to, to have this opportunity like congratulations to king in this uh and it's it just on getting a contract like get paid guy like good for you but otherwise you know is it going to is it going to shift the balance in their favor who's to say We'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, I'm 
have hope for Vancouver. I would love to see them win game this year. I'd love to see them win, I don't know, perhaps a couple games. But, eh, I don't know. We'll see. Moving on, speaking of coaches, New York XL parts away with Kuki. Uh, they now have more flex supports than they have coaches, which is not the position you want to be in. <laughs> they did refer to Kuki as the goaded coach on the 13th of July. And then they dropped his ass on the 27th of July. So he was the goaded coach for two weeks and then he dropped. So Ugh. I, I don't know, man, New York XL seems like they are struggling and have no direction. Unlike Vancouver, who is struggling, but has direction and struggling, but has direction leads to London Spitfire struggling with no direction leads to LA Valiant. So I'm not really sure what's happening over in New York, but uh, no announcements on a replacement for Kuki as of yet. <laughs> I, I suspect that that announcement will come sometime this week. They cannot go into the next stage without a coach. Um, without a head coach anyway they do still have a coaching staff but as you mentioned they now have more flex supports than they have coaches which is such a weird 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 thing to to be in uh in fact I'm pretty sure one of, I think one of their coaches is also on the roster as a player but I I, I can't remember that's that's the case with one of the teams I think it's New York don't quote me on that or do I don't really care um but I don't know. I don't really see what the problem is here. I saw a lot of bad, abysmal takes on the internet because that's what the internet is for, um, saying, "Oh, it's about time the se- the the team's been trending downwards since season one." Like, what? The guy's been around since this season. Like, he hasn't really had time yeah. to establish himself. I don't know if this was really the problem that they needed to solve. Maybe there was some, you know, maybe there was some uh, some issues between like some communication issues between the team and the coach. Maybe, like, they just didn't gel together, and that might have been part of their problem. But they started to have at least somewhat of an answer towards the end of their run in the last stage, where they were at least, you know, winning maps, which is uh, a damn sight better than they were doing all of the season prior. They realized that, hey, we have this totally cracked Zen player. What happens if we put our totally cracked Zen player on, on Zen? Turns out you win. Like... Right. It's not it you know, it's not it's not coaching it's not coaching rocket science. It's coaching 101 at that point. So like they were starting to show progress. I don't know if this was the right call, but again, it was the same with the king decision only time can can tell. I think I think the the overarching headline as I was like kind of digging more into the roster changes and everything last night. There aren't many um, and I and I would like to amend what we talked about last week. If there are going to be any, I suspect it's all going to be in the lower tier teams. I think that if we see anything, it's going to be exclusively at this point, like your Vancouver's, your New York's Excel, your... Uh, <laughs> That's New York Excel. <laughs> no, you. it is absolutely not. <laughs> my, I, I draw the line at my joke. It even felt bad when I said it, so we're not taking it further. Um, but... Yeah, it. Uh, I, I suspect I, I was even like kind of hoping to see something from Washington. Ultimately, that was not the case. But <laughs> we still have two more weeks before uh, the season comes back. So I guess we'll see at this point. I, I, I still think there will be a few more roster changes. Obviously, New York definitely has to announce a new head coach, um, which, by the way, if, if any of you guys are watching, uh, I'm available. 
I Brad am, would love that job. I I am here and I am I I am in I am based in the city. So just just hit your boy up. Um so yeah, I I suspect we'll see some more roster changes at, at least on the lower uh the lower tier side of things cuz at this point like what who are shock really going to add? Who are who are LA really going to add at this point in the season that's going to make them better? than they already right. are like what are where are, where are these top teams have to go like yeah you could make the argument for like even some of the the mid mid high tier teams like oh maybe they can add something that but like there is no secret sauce at that point there is literally just get your shit together and and win games right exactly well moving away from competitive news for a hot minute i want to talk a little bit about the patch notes we oh, got yeah. The final beta has ended. However, they have released new patch notes going forward. If they do a future beta, which it does not sound like they're planning on between now and October, but for Overwatch League builds as well, the devs have reverted both the Moira and Mercy changes from the last patch. Uh, they're gone. The Moira damage orb from hell that like weakens everybody and just breaks game is gone. Mercy Super Jump is back to a bug and not a feature. Um, I didn't play on any of these patches. Brad, you did. Yeah. Your thoughts. <clears throat> so let's uh, l- let's dive into this. So first of all, the Moira Damage Orb thing, it is, uh, I don't know. I, I, have, I have very mixed opinions on the Moira thing. The rework felt okay. It felt broken about... 15 to 20 percent of the time and the other you know the other uh 85 80 percent just kind of felt average at best it 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 was a nice concept but the fact remains like it scaled exponentially with uh with player ability and with game sense so like if you're if you were the moira player and you actually had brain cells like you could just you could you could dominate the entire match and i i feel like at the pro level especially it was it was going to lend itself to some really, 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 really boring uh, gameplay. Because um, you can cancel ultimates. You could just straight up invalidate entire ultimates. And it was going to make life miserable for the tank player. Um, because you were just dead on cooldown. Or at, le- at the very least, you were ineffective on cooldown. So I don't mind them reverting this. The Mercy change, I also don't mind. I'm not a Mercy player. I don't think Mercy's even going to be in the in the pro meta at all um you know we saw we saw a little bit of mercy in in contenders this past week in the tournaments but i i don't really foresee mercy being the must pick so these these two things are kind of a mid you know whatever i i think the moira reverts probably better they just do not know what to to do with her understandably she's going to be a hard character to balance she's going to be an eternal problem for for blizzard probably for the entire lifespan of Overwatch 2 and 3 and 15 and however many installments we get um i don't know i i i think the bigger the bigger picture like them nerfing queen was was probably intelligent you're not we're most likely not going to see uh junker goats um in the upcoming uh in the upcoming stage which is good which is good cuz goats again it's it's the must pick must pick or you lose and like we saw again we saw a little bit of this in contenders it was fine i didn't mind seeing you know a a junker goats meta and watching these two teams brawl it out but if that's all you can see 
for six weeks, no one's going to want to watch that. And and the players aren't going to want to play it either. You know, the, the one of the nicest yeah. things about Overwatch 2 and the Overwatch 2 League season so far has been the diversity in the comps that we've seen. We've seen a little bit of everything for the past three or four months now, and that has been a very refreshing change of pace, especially from Overwatch 1 and the Overwatch League on that the Overwatch 1 patch. So much there, you know. There's no double shield meta. There's no. There's no pulled pork meta. There's just here. Here are some options. Make it work, and that has been very refreshing. So, hopefully, these changes are good. Um, I I kind of expect that. You know, I kind of expect that that will that'll even the playing field a little bit. We'll see. A lot of this right now is we'll see. I can only speculate. I have I'm running out of ideas for theory crafting these uh these comps at this point. I <laughs> I I watched, you know, I've been watching contenders a lot the last week and and I was pretty convinced that like, oh, we're going to see a variation on this and we may still, but at this point it's just it's tits to the wind. I don't know. That's that's all I can tell you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I want to read this uh quote from the uh developer's blog that gave these patch notes. So this is about the necrotic orb for Moira. It said the main reason for its removal is that the overall gameplay loop became too passive for many players. The power that necrotic orb brought to the table necessitated long cooldowns to make the effort impactful, but not overly frustrating to play against. And, you know, I think the problem with Moira is that she is a phenomenal hero for beginner support players. It's a really good way to learn to play support. However, when you make a character that has, a, you know, like a really low knowledge curve to pick up and you start giving that to pro level players or even high competitive level players, they start to really break your game. And yeah, I mean, it's just going to make more hard to balance. Um, she doesn't do a lot of really interesting things. I kind of wish they would bring team fade back, mm. but that's just for me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think those changes are fine. I do think that Daddy Blizzard probably wants Overwatch League to play Junker Queen because Daddy Blizzard wants to advertise their new hero. And I have kind of expected since League started and they kept tuning Arisa through betas that blizzard would try and force an arisa meta as well so i'm expecting us to see either <laughs> arisa or junker queen get some love in this tournament because blizzard said so but other than that yeah i don't i don't really know what comps we're up against i didn't watch as much contenders as you did junker goats is fine like you said goats is boring I don't like watching goats. I don't like watching poke and I don't like watching goats. Other than that, I'm fine, but poke and goats are boring. I mean, so like so here's the thing. Like Blizzard definitely is like in some ways trying to force Queen, at least in, in some in some respect, this next patch. Um and they did it they also did it through like kind of soft banning Doom. Um I mean, the nerfs to Doom are are kind of the bigger like the bigger underlying story of this last patch because Doom was borderline unplayable. Um they like they just they just completely like overturned the knob in the opposite direction and I think the whole point of that like there's there's no 
real logical decision for for the choices that they made other than hey we're just trying to like soft force people to play queen um and so i think what what we are gonna end up seeing is like oh you know dante is probably gonna end up playing a lot of queen because dante and doom not dante and doom uh doom fist and and queen play very very similarly uh and have very similar play styles and very similar like engage and disengage uh play styles and it's just i i think that's going to lend itself nicely to maybe we might see some more dps players move over to the tank role in the next patch for the teams that have surplus um but i don't know i i think they are i think they are actually trying to soft force the queen pick at least a little bit i i think we'll likely see I don't think we're really going to see so much rush. I, I I worry a bit for the London Spitfire. I don't think rush is really going to be the solution, um, especially if Queen's in the meta. Because yeah, you can just swing on her for free if she gets too close. But like, I do think that we are still going to see a lot of AOE healing around her. And if that's the case, I don't think Ryan has the the survivability to handle the damage that's going to be incoming his direction. Um, probably a lot of monkeys still get in, get out kind of thing. Sigma's probably still going to be very strong in ball. I think there, there's not going to be too much change in the tank meta overall. Might see more Zarya because Zarya is a hard counter, but otherwise, I don't know. I, I think, I think at this point they are, it is pretty safe to say that they do want to see more queen. We might see some more Arissa. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I think, I think they, they really want to make their, their new gal look good. Yeah, I think so too. Which speaking of looking good, like I don't this is maybe a weird take. I don't know. I have not played as Junker Queen because I didn't do the Overwatch 2 beta. However, as a viewer of competitive Overwatch, I will say that Junker Queen's like HUD view is really unattractive. Uh and honestly, I think that her abilities are really hard to differentiate from a viewer perspective and that's a weird mm. complaint to have and not something that i think will be a priority for blizzard to fix because honestly i doubt it affects gameplay that much from a player perspective but as a viewer like i her her pov is just kind of ugly her gun is too skinny her reload feels <clears throat> like clunky but in a in a development way and not in an intentional way like the knife throw is honestly just hard to see if you're not the one triggering it and i don't love just the way that her um her icon looks in the kill screen so those are my complaints about junker <laughs> queen does anybody give a shit about those no but those are my complaints god damn it and it's my show, and I'm gonna say them out loud. So there you go. I mean, she's basically she's basically a play of the game farm. Um, she is a she is a playable highlight reel. Uh, yeah. It's it, and and those kind of POVs are going to be. I mean, oh god, from a producer's perspective, like oh, it's gonna all we're gonna see is Junker Queen. All we're gonna see is Junker Queen POV. Um, I don't have the same like I don't have the same disdain for like what you're seeing on the screen as you do as it turns out as I was playing as I was playing Junker Queen my my entire brain just went to um 
this is this is my knife. This is my knife. This is my knife. That is my knife. This is an axe. That is my knife. Um, and and that is that is literally uh, like all I did was go for skill shots at that point. I was just trying to hook. I was, I was trying to hook people in and just shoot them in the face. That that is entirely what my brain did. I I went to one brain cell mode and it was it was a blast. Um, but yeah, I I, I don't know. I. <laughs> She's just a playable highlight reel. That's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. On on a similar note, I'm going to go off script for a second in in regards to this. Please. As I tri- as I take a drink of water. Um, speaking of highlight reels, I I went on a rant the other day about the replay viewer and how it is not available to. Uh, you sure to, did to, go to, on a rant about to us this. little people, and I do want to talk about that for a second because I do feel like this is relatively newsworthy, and and this is not a headline that has popped up since roughly April. Um, this was talked about much earlier and and mentioned by the devs, but you do now have to do some digging to find it. Um, I do. I, I I cannot believe at. I guess we're now less than we're over halfway through the the Overwatch uh, the Overwatch League season, and we are now less than two tournaments away. Well, effectively two tournaments away from grand finals. And at this stage, with three months to go uh, before the game is actually released, at the time of this recording, we do not have a, a replay viewer for the content creators who actually want to like you know, farm content and build hype for this game for free, Blizzard, might I add, for free. We are not getting paid to do this here today. All I ask, all I ask is the ability, is the ability to watch back games from different points of view so that we have talking points that are separate from, from the, from the producer standpoint. Like, come on. This is not a lot to add. Like, I understand this is going to be like a partially incoherent rant. Hold on, let me let me change let me change the topic. <laughs> let me change the topic really quickly. So people know what they're in for. Boom. Hope I spelled that right. Yeah, close enough. Anyway, Blizzard, for the love of God, <laughs> you have 3 months until your game releases. You have Probably not a beta 3, because it doesn't make sense in the timeline. You have a dying Overwatch 1. You have content creators who are out here struggling. Like, we aren't, we are not in the space yet, but, like, there are content creators who are very much in the space, very, very established, who have nothing to do for three months. You're, if, if someone even mentions the word Overwatch or Overwatch 2 to your friends, you get a response of, like, LOL dead game, or is that ever even coming out? Like, the the actual marketing has been abysmal. Credit where it's due. Y'all been communicating more and more and more and more. Thank you. That's been cool. Keep doing more of that. Great job. But like, this is one thing. This is one thing that we're asking for. Like, there are people who like the Overwatch League is is currently struggling to retain viewers because the the game is unplayable. Like, people cannot play Overwatch Two right now, and the whole th- like no one wants to play an esport or no one wants to watch an esport that they can't themselves play. Like, that is the hardest thing to, like, that is the hardest thing to get viewers to do. So, like, for the love of God, give your content creators the ability to access the replay viewer. It's a, yeah, it's an Overwatch 2 patch. So what? It's not like we can actually play the game from it. It's an easy update. It's an easy install. And it changes our perspective entirely 
on the games. I was ranting last week about the, the shock um, backline problem. Guess what? If you look at it from a different perspective, it's not so bad. <laughs> it's not, it's still not good, but it's not so bad. It's not as harsh as I was, uh, as I was criticizing them for. There are takes that we end up having to make off of what the producers choose to show us that are not exactly correct. And like, yeah, we can, we can roll them back as we get new information, but we should have access to that information right away. <sighs> Okay. Good rant. Rant over. Nice job. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Right. Yeah. It's I mean, I, I agree with you. I, if there's one thing we know about Blizzard, it's that they're not great at supporting content creators. End mm. of segment. The last thing we have to talk <laughs> about today, uh, as far as headlines goes, is what the actual fuck happened in contenders this weekend. And we're gonna talk about this after we talk about our game of the week, because the game of the week, as you might imagine, is when all of the fuckery and shenanigans began in Contenders. However, if you didn't catch this, if you haven't heard about this, let me give you a brief rundown. Long story short, Munich Esports and O1 Esports played a game of Overwatch. And boy howdy, a game of Overwatch it was. Munich went up 3-0 in what had all weekend been a first to three best of five tournament which you would think would send o1 esports down to the lowers final bracket however in the middle of map three the upper um uh graphic on the stream suddenly changed from best of three to best of four and then we played three more maps we played three more maps we played six maps in this game and then, out of nowhere, in the middle, a reverse sweep by O1 Esports, the league decides, nope, that's it. You're done. Game over. They won three maps ago. You played some bonus Overwatch. Everybody had fun. So, let's talk about this game of the week. And after we get through our game of the week, we're really going to dive into what the fuck happened because a lot of information has come out in the background but let's talk about the overwatch first indeed and and as we get through this toward when we get towards the end i'm probably gonna have another incoherent rant about this because my god like the <laughs> the decisions ugh, i'm not i'm not i'm gonna try and like hold off on on the on actually like going through it as i now switch to the game of the week view um but like straight up oh that needs to change too um Let's see. O one versus Munich. Um, there is just so much disconnect between Blizzard and and their their not even just contenders, but their esport as a whole. And I think the overarching theme, and it kind of it ties into what I was just ranting about with like the replay viewer and everything, because it's it's all part of this bigger picture that I I maintain that that Team Four and like Blizzard never. Or not so much Blizzard, but the developers of Overwatch never wanted Overwatch to be this titan of an esport that it is. I I I genuinely, genuinely believe that they looked at this and wanted it to be just um happy fuck around time and like and not <laughs> and not an and not a titan of an esport. Like and and the mistake being that they modeled the whole thing after Team Fortress Two, which is 
was a titan of an esport. Like it's yeah. it, it it was never it was such a disconnect between a game design and a and a gaming mentality that I, I think the the repercussions of that disconnect are now rearing their ugly heads even further. I mean, they've been rearing their ugly heads for years, but now as the game shifts to a brand new game, like it's it's really 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 starting to show. I mean, for really for both Oop. of these teams because there we go. Can't have that uh that broadcast playing loudly in the background. Um but yeah, I I don't know. I I have so many questions for for the decisions that they make and never <laughs> never any answers. Never any answers. So, all right, we have we have the game playing in the background. Um if any of you th that are watching this do not follow contenders as closely as we now do in the past week because we weren't following contenders that closely either. Um, the overarching uh, theme for contenders is that it is, it is a labor of love from a community that is very passionate about Overwatch and the Overwatch competitive scene. So it is very much... We are very much an extension of that. Like, we at Spectator Diff are very much an extension of that. Um, the... The casters for this, uh, for the Contender series, are an extension of that. All of this is done effectively with as little of a budget as possible. The teams are on their own in terms of coaching, sponsorship, uh, recruiting players. Um, the broadcast itself is largely, like, again, largely under budgeted. Um, yet somehow they manage to stream in 4K every week. Uh, the the commentators do so from the comfort of their own homes with some, you know, cheaply provided Blizzard backgrounds and, and green screens and things like that. It's, it is very much done out of the passion for this eSport. And unfortunately, that leads to some massive uh, logistics errors and communication errors on the front of the producers and the admins and the company, etc., 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 as became evident in what will what I will call probably the craziest thing I've ever witnessed live in professional esports. Because I was watching this game live and watching what happened in this game go down as it as it happened was absolutely cuckoo bananas. I did not know what was going on. Neither did the neither neither did the casters. I might add. Um, but it was, it was a sight to behold. So as we go into this game, where are we at? We're, we're two minutes. We're right on the, uh, we're right on the timestamp. This time really stamp. sick pop off from Cookie. That's like, what we're right on. Cookie goes absolutely buck wild on the ash for a hot goes minute. Goes absolutely buck wild in response to, um, to, uh, Yinza showing up on, actually the Echo to start off. Yinza eventually swaps to the Pharah as we're seeing now in this background. And... It, it, these two DPS players, opposite teams, what what a crazy matchup this was for the majority of the game. Like, we don't see too much Farah in, in the league right now. We saw it once or twice during the midseason madness um, as a response to Rush, uh, weirdly enough, which, which makes some sense. But we have not seen it played. I mean, Yins is on on Farah pretty much the entire match, more or less, like plus or minus a couple of maps, and just goes absolutely bananas. And I suspect we'll see, at the very least, both Cookie and Yinza with contracts within the year. I would not be surprised at all. 
I mean, I would have to imagine. Like, Yinza looked so sick in this game. Cookie looked really good. I would also give it up to uh, level one Crook on Munich. He looked really, really good on BAP. Um, had a couple of big frag moments in the back half of this game. But Yinza plays Fara in a way that I have not really seen anyone play Fara in a minute. Like, I know Jinmu plays a decent amount of Fara, um, and I think maybe also leave, but that's really the old, like Jinmu is the only player in Owl that I can think of offhand who I would say plays Farah at a level that's worth breaking out in Overwatch League because I look into this comp and it's like, man, you're running a Farah into an Ash? What are you doing? You're just going to get your head clicked off. And then you see um, Cookie go over to the Soldier and put a little bit more pressure on Yinza, but like... It's rare, I think, to see a Farah who can stand up to a hit scan like that and not just get immediately blown up. I think Yinza is playing Farah in kind of a similar way that Hottie is playing Reinhardt in the sense that, sure, this hero isn't necessarily the most viable, but when somebody one-tricks so well, you kind of create viability just by playing the character in a different way. And uh, Yinza, I think... Even though they do drop these first three maps, it is certainly not for lack of trying on Yinza's Fara. No, and 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 to touch very briefly on the first three map thing, I was never. I, we talked about this prior to the recording, but like I was never at all convinced by either team really being dominant in these first three maps. Anyway, like Yinza's pop off alone. Like I I watched this back and I went, man. I, I don't know how they lost the fights that they lost because Yinza was coming up with picks left and right. Um, and, you know, that's that feels like a communication issue. I do also think that despite the pop-off, um, the, the, the pharmacy kind of comp and the way that Yinza specifically plays pharmacy might be a detriment to the, to the overall team play because at any given point, especially when the engage comes in from Munich most of the time, even if Munich's a player down... 01 is kind of two players down most of the time and it's it's full uh, it's a full like he, uh um a full support worth of healing not actively engaged in the rest of the team fight so pharmacy is is kind of a hard thing to it's the reason that you don't see so much of it in Overwatch League in contenders because it is something that's very difficult to pull off and something i suspect that's a little bit harder to pull off in 5v5 because because a 3v5 scenario especially when you have what is an an incredibly aggressive pharmacy play style? Um, you have to have those other three players on point, like not on like the the, um, the objective on the point, but, but like on they point. have to be they have to be fragging just as hard as your as your Farah is because at the end of the day, if you're if you're taking these you know three v fours three v fives before your your pharmacy gets a pick, like. You're 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 starting every fight at a disadvantage, especially in such a flanker heavy meta. Like going pharmacy into into a ball comp, it mm, mm, it's questionable. It's very questionable. But I will also say that it works more in contenders because I see contenders more as like um more like uh like college college sports you know these players have something to lose they're trying to prove something like they're they don't they're the ones without the contracts yet so they're gonna pick these bolder styles um and and you know what 
I respect it. In this case, like the, again, these first three maps that they dropped, it, I think ultimately it was it was both because uh, Yinza popped off and and because the rest of the team couldn't match the pop off, um, and couldn't match it exactly. That's not to say that they didn't pop off. That is to say that like they couldn't completely get the same level of value as frequently as Yinza was getting on the Farah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, you You said it really well. Contenders exists as basically the minor league for Overwatch League. Right. I mean, esports, for better or for worse, and everybody has different opinions on it, but esports operates a little bit differently than professional sports where there isn't always a defined way to become a professional gamer. You know, like... Yep you want to play in the nfl or you want to play in the nhl well you go to college and then you get drafted and if you don't get drafted you go to the minors and then you play in a farm league and you work your way up the farm ladder and then maybe somebody gets hurt and so on and so forth and there isn't necessarily that uh that defined path to pro although this league is literally called the path to pro but blizzard doesn't carve the path so it doesn't matter anyway i agree with you like i think players like yenza who have the opportunity to pop off solo need to do more to show that in hopes of getting a professional contract than overwatch league players do who need to worry more about performing for their team and winning for the game because you know they're in a sense they don't have anywhere farther to go you know like this is the the top of the ladder for them so uh yeah i mean i i agree with that all and this map ends pretty much the way that it goes like it's pretty balanced overwatch nobody's really out ahead of anything there's some junker queen there's some far uh munich walks away with it it's fine map two we go to king's row and i'll be honest Munich's attack on King's Row is pretty dominant and there's not much to talk about. However, O1's attack was a little wonky. So if you want to jump ahead to uh O1's attack here on uh King's Row, uh um, I'm way you overshot. You went to Gibraltar. Yeah, I um, I misread the timestamp real bad. Um <laughs> I can read. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We're not gonna talk about it. Um <clears throat> We are going to talk about this. Uh, you you wanted to see what was it? Uh, yeah, give me uh, give me that two oh nine thirty two oh nine. Wow, right there, perfect. Right there, perfect. Okay, so O one comes out on attack here. They run this pharmacy with a dive, which is a much different look than we saw earlier. And I like this comp, with the exception of like who peels for your Ana right like Hmm. they're not running a super dive heavy comp i mean they have a diva they have a tracer but other than that they don't have a lot of dive support so like you're probably not in danger however if psycho decides to run down your ana who's going back like who helps right um yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this this dive comp from O one? Well, so again, I I think O one's biggest strategy is that they they like to build their comp around around this pharmacy. Like at the root of 
are at the root of both their success and their problems is the pharmacy comp. Okay. Because even here in this like half, it's, it's, it's almost half, like it's half Winston dive, not almost. It is half Winston dive. It has all of the components for the Winston dive minus your pharmacy. And, and you're exactly right about who does the peeling because Yins is not going to be able to really go back and peel because yeah, maybe he's got maybe he's got conk on on cooldown. Maybe he's got his his boost jets on cooldown and can like jet himself a little bit further back. But that's that is one DPS that can't check the tracer. That is uh that is one healer because because we know from experience now that Ana Zen is extremely powerful, borderline broken. They're playing on the patch before um before the Moira uh rework. Like this is still this is before uh Zen's uh health nerf which honestly is not much of a health nerf. Um Zen is still super strong as we can see Munich is playing the Zen. That is a heck of a lot of damage that's not checking the damage from Munich. So like I don't think this dive makes sense. Even even a little bit. I think they would have been better off having a diva instead of the Winston because diva uh her jets are on a much faster cooldown and can get much more distance out of them than a Winston dive it gives much more verticality um and and straight up you're going into a, a diva comp on Munich Munich has the right idea here like diva eats and directly counters Farah so like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me why they chose this it was a, a it was a different look but like if you're going to do this Yinza and, and Anj have to be doing something else. Full right. full stop. Like they can't go into this with with pharmacy. It just doesn't make sense. It is very disjointed and it's questionable. I don't know if I don't know who their coach is. I don't know if they even have a coach because I do know that is a situation with a lot of contenders teams, something that admittedly I have to look into further as we as we go through this podcast. But like looking at this, this is not a look that makes any any coherent sense to me. Can you do me a favor? Can you pause it here sure. and roll us back? Uh, let's say like maybe thirty seconds. Ooh. Yeah, give me that like two twelve. Ooh, make twelve even would be great. Make me make me work that hard uh, that hard buffering or that hard scrubbing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So right, so right about here. Right here. This is perfect. Okay. So Munich gives O one the choke for free, which is fine. O one really manages to put an interesting attack together here they're coming in with a whole bunch of ultimates and they don't have to spend many ultimates to bait out a trance from bia yinza gets one they keep fighting oh one picks up two more picks there's the first one from quartz and then quartz will pop blade and he gets one more pick so they forced out trance and killed three, and O one somehow manages to drop this fight. Doesn't so doesn't goes, help that Quartz just falls, <laughs> right? So Quartz goes into the drink. <clears throat> Munich comes out, and again, like this is how Munich. Though, this is perfect. The perfect example of how it happened, though, because the Diva. This is why Diva is so good into pharmacy, because unlike Winston, Diva can contest those flying little little bats and 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 knock them out of the sky she like she literally pressures back well she in this case um yeah oh god i can't even read that uh, uh it's trust me trust, trust me, me yeah the... 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it, trust me, literally forces back Yinza and, and Anj, which is basically because um because uh Crandop is already is is already dead and come and still coming back from spawn so like the, how they lost this fight is literally because diva can show up and and immediately pull, force back yinza and Anj. the only two people at that point left on 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 uh the payload because what is what is one gonna do like stand like stand on cart alone with like bearing the brunt of the tanks no yeah yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a great call-out. Like, I think D.Va really is the difference maker there. DM does a lot against Farah. Like, if you have a Farah up above you, you have enough time to decide whether you want to spend Defense Matrix on a Farah rocket before that Farah rocket even gets to you. You know, so I, I do, I agree. I think Farah was really the pick here. And uh, Munich cleans this up. They, I believe hold them here I, I don't think that they get b uh and that's pretty much the end of king's row so let's yes. jump on to gibraltar because gibraltar specifically right around uh i don't know the end of the first attack is when shit gets really silly so i think if we start talking about it here and just let it play let it play i'm get guessing there. that we'll get there <laughs> it'll um, get there help me yeah so uh, you know, you you look at these comps. We're back on the ball comps, uh, which makes sense, honestly. Um, I don't think that the Winston dive from O one looked good enough to justify rolling it out on uh, Gibraltar. That said, you really do need some dive and some high ground control. You've got a Sojourn Ash comp. You're mirroring on the the Briggs End back line. So really the only difference here is Sojourn versus Ash. And I think that O1's point A attack doesn't have a lot to talk about it, but they rolled their way through point B. So uh, do you like these comps? Do you like going back to this <clears throat> ball dive? What are your what are your takes? It makes so much more sense than what they were doing. Um did they ultimately lose the map? Yeah, but this this particular comp, it makes way more sense, okay? Um, subbing in Yubi on the Tracer makes a lot of sense to to actually at least offer some level of counter to Munich's Tracer. Um, Quartz on the Sojourn, I don't mind this. I, I think the biggest, uh, sort of the biggest um, yes or no choice of this patch and the, the previous patch was... Do you play the Ash? Do you play the Sojourn? They they both fall, they both um, fulfill similar roles. I actually do think that um, in a ball comp, Sojourn makes more sense. But that's that's just a, honestly to me that's just a personal preference um, on what I liked to play. Like you can get value and and do both uh, and, and get away with both effectively in this current patch in the current meta. Um, so that's that is honestly dealer's choice and what your teams are most comfortable with. I do think I think the the choice to sub in Yubi and I think the choice to actually like commit to a more ground based um, offense was the right call here, despite the fact, like I said, that they lost the map ultimately. But this was this was a more this was a more coherent comp, and it it, it shows that despite everything, they were at least learning that hey maybe the uh, Maybe they have the answer. Maybe Munich 
that is, has the answer to the pharmacy. So we should probably try something else for a change. Yeah, and I mean, Gibraltar is not a great map for Farah. Sure, there's a lot of verticality, but that verticality is really accessible. You don't have a lot to hide behind. And I think that it shouldn't go unsung that for 01, having both one and Anj able to heal the rest of the team, as opposed it's... to just hard pocketing one DPS, I, I think makes a really big difference especially here at the end of point a where like okay so crandop gets really really low but we have more than just on a healing to top him off Correct. like okay we can throw rally into this to engage and it's not like valk it's it's less passive we can actually push with this you know like it enables them a little bit more but I'm I'm kind of done talking about this gameplay. I thought that we would talk longer than we have. If you want to jump ahead to like uh, the three thirty two, three thirty three ish mark, uh, I think we can talk about where things get really silly. Okay. So <clears throat> yeah, start it there. And if you could uh, for me, if you could just pause it right here. Boop. Excellent. Thank you so much. So time right now is two thirty two. 43 so in 47 seconds 47 seconds at 233.20 you will see this upper graphic <laughs> where it says map three first to three suddenly and inexplicably change to map three first to four so you can go ahead and roll that forward and let that play Ugh. and it's out of nowhere the players, I'm sure, don't know about it. I mean, this is a late, like, this is an end stage graphic. Nobody sees that map three first to three, but the viewers. Right. I don't know what Doors and Hurex, who are the casters, are watching. I doubt it's the YouTube stream, so they likely don't see this either. But, oh, I think I've talked for like 30 seconds. It should be coming up right Any about second now. now. Uh, three, two, now? one, and uh, now, now, uh, there it is. Now. There it goes. There it is. There she goes. Hey, there it is. So yeah, okay. Suddenly it's map three, first to four. What does that mean? So I'm gonna. I am straight up just gonna stop talking about the the gameplay at this juncture um, until they go into the next map. Um, Oh my goodness. So for anyone that's watching this that doesn't already know, the backstory here is that uh, at the beginning of this tournament, the, the rules for this set of matches up until Grand Finals followed rules similar to the Overwatch League format where the only game that is first to seven is the Grand Finals. That is what was stated. That is what everyone was given in the communique at the beginning of the tournament. The literal day before this match, so that was last... Wednesday, when we actually the day I think that we recorded last, um, the the staff for O One Esports and Munich confirmed uh, information that they were given recently, saying that the match that Munich and O One would be playing in this round would be f best of seven, first to four. Um, they confirmed this information not once, but twice, so two times. Two times the administrators and producers of this uh, of this tournament went back and said, "Oh, um, by the way, 
this match that you're going to be playing, if you make it to round uh, to the, the semifinals in this upper bracket, it's going to be first to four. They were told this twice. Twice. Not once. Twice. Uh, and so, as this game started, the uh, the casters were under the impression that this was first to three. I want to add. Like, there was such a disconnect. The teams thought they were doing one thing. The casters thought they were doing another. The producers and admins thought that they were doing a third thing. And no one knew, like, not one part of the, the overall body, governing body of this, knew what the other part parts were doing. Um, and like, I, like you were saying, the... The casters probably didn't notice this. Uh, this is all done on the, on the front of the admins, the people that are choosing what shots to give us at any given time. Um, the teams thought that they were playing first to four. The teams certainly didn't see what, the, what, was, what it was saying at the top. And even if they did, like, you mean to tell me that anybody is going to look at this? Like, uh, the coaches probably aren't going to notice that. They've got their hands full going, making making game calls and following what's going on in the game. Like, it's not something that I even look at the top of when I'm, when I'm analyzing these games. It's just crazy that this kind of thing and this kind of, like, miscommunication can happen in a multi-million dollar uh, production. Like... Whether we like it or not, we say that the that Contenders is underfunded, and it, and it is. By comparison to the Overwatch League, it is underfunded and isn't treated with the same level of respect. But this is, like, the feeder for the Overwatch League. This is how you get your Overwatch League players. The fact that this is allowed to happen, that this kind of craziness can go on, is absolutely bananas to me. So anyway, <laughs> told you, incoherent rant, uh, looping back around to where, like, this is what happened. Um, this this now starts a chain of events that gets crazier and crazier as our, our match of the day plays out. Um, so now we are... So let... You know what? Let's... Spoiler alert. Uh, Munich um, Munich wins this map. It's now 3-0. and uh, We go over... We go over to a break. Um which is longer, uh, as this broadcast is going on, the break is longer than the breaks have been between match uh, between games before this. And that is because on the back end, they're trying to figure out, uh-oh, something went wrong. Um, there's been a disturbance in the force, and the casters now tell us, oh, it's actually first to four, so guess what? Uh, looks like the onus is on 0-1. Can they come back? Are they going to reverse sweep? And 0-1 responds... To that challenge in the craziest of manners, full on just like beating the bloody piss out of Munich in this push map. Um, it was quick. I didn't. Re I I completely forgot how fast it was. But this entire fourth match is only like three minutes long. It is oh, yeah. so fast. It is so fast. Um, so I'm gonna let this play in the background. Uh, as we talk a little bit more about how this all went wrong. Matt, go on. Take it away. <laughs> Yeah, so at this point, you know, like you said, the casters have basically come out and said, hey, we thought this was going to three. Turns out it's going to four. Let's see what a one can do. And this game begins and everything is going on like this is totally normal. You know, like they're saying, OK, maybe a one is going to pull this back like they have the opportunity for a reverse sweep at this point. 
Munich gets every single map pick. So this is not an easy climb back for O1. They're really going to have to do something to to make this win happen. Turns out that something is Yinza. I mean, Yinza just like pops off and, and that's fine. But in the background, there's a whole bunch of communication trying to happen. So there's this really, really great article on Dot Esports uh, by Liz Richardson, which if you don't follow Liz Richardson and if you're into competitive Overwatch, I very much recommend following her on at least Twitter. Um, she is an Overwatch League beat writer or a professional Overwatch beat writer for Dot Esports. And yeah, I mean, she's phenomenal. She does great write-ups. Anyway, she did a beefy write-up about what the hell happened in this contenders match and we've now gotten a couple of discord screenshots we've gotten audio of a discord call and we've gotten some interviews with players and coaches that basically nobody knew what was going on however the teams had been told this is a best of seven game so remember we just talked about hey, you can see it switch from first to three to first to four, but the players probably didn't know that. Well, it turns out the players this whole time have thought that it said first to four because the players were told, literally Munich was told in this Discord chat posted to Twitter by Crandop, tank player for 01, that they were told by admin it's best of seven. They were told it was a best of seven game. And what I'm reading and what we're learning is that the admin, quote unquote admin, not so much the people with all the passion for the league, more so much the people at Blizzard who run the competitive division are really hard to get a hold of. And so there's all this confusion in the booth about like, you know what's going on what are we playing how many game how many maps does this game go and nobody can get a hold of blizzard to answer the question uh it, it's it's one of those things like the more you dig into this this whole catastrophe the crazier it gets it is absolutely un it is it is unfathomable unfathomable to me that this kind of thing can happen on you know, in a, in a in an established esport, if this was a brand new game, which you know you can argue that Overwatch Two is, but it's not. It's it's from an established game. It's from an established esport. E it is one thing converting into another. It is the same company. Like they've been doing this for a while. It is unfathomable to me that this can happen at this level. If it was, you know, if it was a a streamer built tournament if it was one of the little charity tournaments that streamers put together if uh, you know if it was a a little like club game on a saturday put together by by some local talent whatever i could understand it but a company that is literally signing contracts for professional players a company that is literally putting together an entire minor league so that they can feed their professional sport and find players to play in the in their professional esport like how does this actually happen and so i'm going to skip ahead 
I'm gonna skip ahead to uh to map six. Well, no, no. Uh, I'm gonna skip map ahead five. to map five. Um, I most I mostly just want to see Yinza pop off because the unsung hero of this whole situation that no one's gonna talk about is Yinza. Yinza came back and was like, "Oh, playing more maps." Okay, I want to win then, and just decides to win this game. This is insane. I don't understand how no one kills Yinza. He is walking on the ground on point. And then he pulls off this 2K barrage through the window. And then he picks up another one on the Lucio. Smacks Lucio in the face with a rocket. Like, man man is going crazy and, and, like, pulls off the map, like... Pulls off the map women of the century, basically single-handedly. Um, also, let's just talk about how Tracer just yeeted that pulse bomb at him, hoping to hit him, didn't, but, like, it happened. That was a thing. This kind of goes back to what we were saying about how, like, this comp can work if just Yinza goes god mode. And that's fine. That's, like, a hell of a gamble. But, like, if Yinza goes god mode, it's... It's pretty much over. He, it, he needs to make up for what the rest of the team really can't pull off at that point, going three into five, effectively. Like, it's it's something that... It is not something that I think we're going to see in the league ever. I don't think anybody has a, a one-trick Fara to this degree, to this, like, level of, um, of competency. Uh, I'm going to back it up a little bit so that I can talk over this a little bit more, but... Um, yeah. I don't think anybody in the league has has a Fara to this level, to the point where it would be worth the high risk, high reward gameplay. Um, but you know, if he if Yinza gets a contract, I fully expect any team to. If they don't draft Anj as well, um, you could see it from like teams that might maybe have like a like already have a Mercy. Um, a mercy player or someone who's good with mercy to to actually maintain this hyper aggressive pocket. Um, otherwise, I f- could fully see a team maybe trying to build something around this if Farah is viable enough to warrant um, to warrant the the draft pick. So we'll see. I, I like I said, he's such a good player in general. I I could see teams like picking him up as a one trick in the way that like Ons has been. Uh, drafted by gladiators after out of retirement like the sixth time in a row um just to play widow but we'll see uh let's let's go into where this all went bananas and and start to like oh god and and rant some more about it um long story short after this map win they go into a much longer pause again come back to say oh by the way uh, match is actually over. Ended two maps ago. Sorry about your reverse sweep. LOL sucks to suck. Um, we made a boo-boo, but uh, too bad. Um, and the entire Overwatch internet became just enraged about it. Rightfully so. Because from a production standpoint, I don't understand where, if you were the one who made the mistake, where your line of thought goes as to, oh, you know what? It would be a better... Uh, it would be better for the viewer and better for the competitive integrity if we just, you know, ended the game and said, by the way, Mutic won anyway. Um, I don't know. I like to see reverse sweeps when they happen. I love to see good comebacks. So yeah, uh, it's better for the viewer if we just, you know, move on to the next game and and say, count your losses. Um, This was like the first in a series of bad decisions that followed, like a series of bad decisions. And I just have to question like, 
what is the thought process behind making these productions happen if you're if you're saying like we screwed up but we're gonna fix it by screwing up more i i don't get i don't get the logic i don't get the line of thinking as a producer saying it's better for everyone if we just cut these games short and and just and just go at it again oh my god rant 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 yeah so why don't you go ahead and skip forward to uh the one v one game game yeah so basically like brad said they come back from the broadcast they're like hey it was over our bad and they move on oh one esports drops down to losers final so they played consecutive games and they're up against ex oblivione in losers finals map one is nepal and uh the shenanigans begin which honestly like let me let me be very clear and say this from the start that i think what o1 esports and ex oblivione players and i'm assuming also coaches did in this situation is really rad i mean i agree like blizzard fucked up here and blizzard fucked up and then fucked up again and then said hey it doesn't matter that we fucked up this is what we're doing and it sucks it really sucks and am i surprised that blizzard really sucks no i am never surprised when blizzard sucks so what the players did in their decision to basically go on digital strike here i think is awesome i I think it puts the power back in the hands of these players who at the end of the day are really just getting strung around and living in blizzard's world whether they like it or not and it sucks so they come out on nepal uh the timestamp is like right at 40640 in the video yeah i'm gonna let this play because it's really hard to get the scrubbing with this video this size um yeah be like right there where it actually starts to come in there you go yeah so uh they come out and immediately to the trained eye of somebody who watches competitive overwatch relatively often something's weird it's these comps uh we've got a mirror full mirror eventually by the time they come out of the gates tracer Torb, Arisa, Zen, Lucio. Tracer, Torb, Arisa, Zen, Lucio are the comps that these two teams are running on Nepal in the first map of the Losers Finals. And I want to give a big shout out to Dustin and Moxie, the casters for this game, because they did a phenomenal job trying to talk through what we're about to see happen but right as we roll onto that 20640 timestamp, teams come up to the right side stairs by the elephant statue. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. It's a Torb Hammer 1v1. Torb Hammer 1v1 to start this game. We do love to see it. And I I, I will also give credit to the uh to the uh, the casters as well because they played along with this and and Frickin' commentated the Torb 1v1, which was... They sure did. Very, you know what? I gotta give... Again, gotta give credit where credit is due there, because... I mean, well, what else are you gonna do? But, like, they they played along, and they... I, I don't know if they were privy to what exactly the plan was, or if this was... At, I don't know if they were privy to this being a strike at the time that it was going on, or if they just went with what they saw. Um, But, man, like... Ugh... 
this this was such a good way to kind of uh, for the players to protest in a very like it's it's a relatively respectful manner and it's it's still like good for the, it's still good for the viewer because that's very funny um and then right around here as the lucios start to face off we get a pause from uh the admins and a pause on the game and this then initiates a second uh very bad decision on the front of the admins we can't see it it was not on the um well it was on the gameplay screen it wasn't on the production screen they they covered it up with this little like graphic here which is by the way still playing um i'll pause the video there actually i'll just reverse it and we'll, we'll just have that on loop for for a few seconds while we talk over this um Effectively, what the admins did was go after the players in the in the in the all chat for the game and said, uh, "Hey, if you don't take this seriously, we're gonna we're gonna disqualify you both, and and you you the lower bracket ends here, um, which is just such a bad decision. Again, from a producer standpoint, from a just like a." a company standpoint and and like of course they're gonna side with the company to start but like you know credit to the players for having the guts to to stand up to the company and say you know what because it was quartz who added in the chat uh fix your competitive integrity or just disqualify us because we don't want a part of this like that is uh, that credit to the players for having the guts to do this shame on freaking blizzard at this point for like you know have having made the mistake and then doubling down on the mistake and going, uh, at actually, you know what, just live with it and, you know, carry the momentum into the next game was, was the phrase that was used. And I went, I'm sorry, what? Carry your, right. carry your reverse sweep momentum in your, into your lower bracket and just win that and come back and do Like, come on. Is it a perfect situation? No, but for the love of God, don't double down on the mistake and just say, ah, you know what? If you if you're meant to play them in the in the grand finals, just play them in the grand finals. It, it's fine. It'll 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 sort itself out. No, you don't. No, no, no. Right, and so the end decision of this, and uh, I just grabbed the video. Uh, I just found it here. I'll throw it in our chat if you want to put it up on screen. I sure. literally haven't watched this, so I have no idea what we're looking at. But uh, there it is at the bottom there for you, Brad. So um, what they decided to do, because, you know, they paused this game and uh, contenders decided to basically roll back the decision and say, like, OK, fine, let's play whatever. Uh, and they played a match before um, the North American Contenders broadcast, no casters, starting Munich 3, 01 Esports 2, replaying Push, which I believe would have been the sixth map. I think sixth map was supposed to be Push anyway. Uh, or not Push, Escort. And they go to Circuit Royale here. Um, like I said, I haven't watched this video, so I, I can't even tell you, like, what happens. Um, it looks like uh, Munich Esports cleans it up pretty quickly, right around the 36-37 mark. Um, and that gives them... Uh, that cleans it up for um, New Queen Street, I should say. So that gives them three maps 
They're up uh, 3-2. They go to Ilios and play Control, which, um, or I'm sorry, I guess, no, that's a different game. That's 0-1 Ex Oblivione. So Munich gets their fourth win on Circuit Royale against 0-1 Esports, and they become the winners. And then we get the 0-1 Ex Oblivione match that was going to happen and got struck. That was very confusing. You, the viewer and the listener, me, Brad, (laughs) the listener, we all experienced that at the same time. None of us have seen this shit before. So, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, I don't know how you can expect a team to build up the momentum of a reverse sweep and then come out and maintain that momentum. Like that's impossible. A day later, a literal day later. I I personally, I mean, if this was my decision to make, and clearly it wasn't, <clears throat> I would have had both teams play a best. Like, I would have O1 Esports and Munich come together and say, you're playing a best of three. First to two maps wins. Like, it's zeros. Sorry, we fucked up. Here's an even playing field. Because at this point, like, this doesn't seem fair to O1 Esports because they lost all their momentum from the reverse sweep at the same time it doesn't really feel that fair to munich because they already won this game why do they have to play it again so i don't know blizzard screwed this whole thing up it's the it it, sucks there's no like unfortunately there's just like no good answer after they made the series of decisions that they made like Admitting the mistake at eventually, eventually admitting, admitting the mistake is like at least credit where it's due. You you said you fucked up. Congratulations, you you owned up to it and tried to make amends. The fact of the matter is like it, again, it's it is the the series of decisions that led to this being the case where there was such a discon like disconnect uh, miscommunication disconnect between admins and players and and coaches and everybody involved in this the fact that nobody knew like what was going on is remarkable to me especially in a tournament of all things in an actual tournament the, the thing that's supposed to be the most regulated and the most like uh, and the, the thing with the most competitive integrity i don't know how to say that in, a, in other in other words but like the thing that is supposed to be the most regulated the most like stable of all of these events that goes on in the Overwatch community, and nobody knew what was going on, even going into the semis and grand finals, just that level of disconnect is astounding. And the 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 number of decisions that were made to lead up to where this became the outcome, it's it's just it's so disappointing to see, and it's something that cannot continue if they want the league to survive. And you know, at that point, the question is, do they want the league to survive? Do they want this to be a an, a titan of an eSport into the future, into the lifespan of Overwatch 2, a brand new free-to-play game that in all, uh, in all accounts should be the thing that makes this more popular over time? Now that it's going to be free-to-play, now that more people have access to it, now that more people will be potential viewers for this eSport, like, is that something that, that Blizzard wants? Do they want this to be a viable esport or do they not they need to make that decision and they need to start if they do if this is a serious business model for them they need to allow the creators the people the casters the 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 players they need to allow them to make 
commentary on this. They need to listen to the commentary. They need to take the suggestions from the people actually creating for this and, and fund them to do it and actually put the time in to allow this to be a viable organization. Because as it stands right now, this, this makes an argument for Overwatch esports being a joke of an organization. Because this is not an organization. Like, an organization understands what's going on within, within itself. This very clearly does not. So, did they make the best decisions? Did they do the, their best to make amends with the teams? Sure. Was it fair? No. There, there is nothing to call this. There, there's no competitive integrity in this. It, it merely, it merely puts a bandaid on the situation. And yeah, uh, you know, going forward, like this just cannot continue to happen. This is this. I, to my knowledge, nothing this ridiculous has happened in in esports history thus far. It not at least not in, at the tournament level. You know they've they've caught cheaters before. They've done there. There's certainly been weird things that have happened. Technological problems happen all the time. That's unavoidable because technology isn't perfect. But decisions, decision making from from the producer admin side, from the regulatory side, that's all things that can be fixed, cleaned, and should be ready by the time of a big tournament. Period. End of statement. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think we've really said about all there is to say True. here. I do want to give the love out to the players, the coaches, the casters, all the folks in contenders who do take this really seriously and want this to be a viable career in a structure that is not set up to support them. I mean, it's disappointing, um, and it, it hurts my heart for the players coaches casters producers etc the the folks that are not necessarily direct blizzard employees but are are part of the contenders community um my heart hurts for them and i i just want them to be really successful i think this brings up the argument that there always is in the esports world of how much control should a game developer be given over the competitive scene for that game you know, it's it's hard. You look at something like the NBA, where the NBA is a professional basketball organization. However, the NBA did not create the game of basketball. The NBA did not write the rules of basketball. You look at a game like Overwatch, the Overwatch League, and by extension, Contenders, is a professional Overwatch organization however that organization is owned by blizzard blizzard did invent the game of overwatch blizzard does write the rules of overwatch it's really just blizzard's world and and we're all living in it and when they do things like this that we don't like it's it's tough because at the end of the day like what can you do you know and and i'm glad that blizzard is getting raked over the coals for this and that people aren't happy i just i hope that we don't see things like this continue to happen in the future but We've said a lot about this. True. We've talked a lot today. There aren't any preds or rankings. We did um, mid-season madness rankings last week. You can check that out. Uh, preds will come at you next week because games don't start until the 11th. So, Brad, unless you have anything else to say, I'll take us out of here. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just, uh, you know, close my talking by saying another shout out to uh, Liz Richardson for the for the article and the extra work that uh, she did. Um, on this whole situation 
uh, allowing us to have a little bit more insight into what happened. Another shout out to O1 Esports Munich for their patience and their uh, and O1 Esports and uh, Ex Oblivione for their sense of humor and their willingness to stand up for the competitive integrity of the Overwatch League. Shout out again to the casters who played along and and did their did their absolute best to make a, the the best out of a bad situation. Um, and yeah, uh, do all the likey likes and subscribe scribes and the, and, and whatnot to this video. If you're catching us live, thank you, the listener, uh, for listening to us prattle and rant about this kind of nonsense. And, uh, Matt, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. Much appreciated. Again, the official podcast feed, uh, will be coming here in about two ish weeks. So you can look for that. Uh, if you're looking for audio versions of that show and that will do it for this inaugural. Nope. I <laughs> have to change that. My bad. That will do it for this episode of Spectator Diff. Again, please subscribe to us here on YouTube. Hump that subscribe button and bang that bell or whatever it is the kids are saying these days. You can follow me on socials at MC underscore DJ underscore MC. And me on socials at last call underscore gaming. And until next time, just remember, we're better at watching Overwatch than you. Bye, everybody.